Hi guys, welcome back to the Beercast. It's your host James Rankin. This week, myself, Jamie, and Jack sat down and we talked about all things performance in and around CrossFit Bua. So this is a great one if you are a competitive athlete within CrossFit, or if you are considering it and you just quite haven't bit the bullet yet. We dive deep into all things nutrition, mindset, and programming, and the way we do program for our competitive and our GPP athletes in the gym as always if you enjoy the show please follow or subscribe depending on the platform you're using and share with a friend if you think it might be useful for them enjoy My view on competing is that it's great fun. Yeah. Should be. Yeah. Should be, yeah. It's also, it's a personal challenge. Yeah. And then for some people, it's just their sport. Just like anything is their sport. Yeah. So it's uh, it depends who you're talking to, I guess. But from, from Bua's point of view, it's always been a part of what we did because the sport kind of came along with the methodology when I started doing it yeah. back in the day. There was this just emerging of, well, if we can measure wor- the workout results, we can compare. If we can compare, we can compete. And that was as part of the attraction for some people still joining the gym. It's still a big attraction for a portion of our members. Mm-hmm. And it has always been part of my thinking is I'd like to prepare people for the sport as best I can because I love it. Like, I love going to competition days. I like to sit down and watch it. And I love working with athletes yeah. who are trying to excel in it. So it's, I always see it as a bit of a passion project that lives in CrossFit Bua and has always, and it's, it's never, it's, it's never dampened down for me. Yeah. I always just loved it. Where does your priority lie when you're doing programming? So, Where's my priority like when I'm programming for the whole gym? Mm-hmm. So, oh, it's a priority. There's uh, another way some gyms think like top down. So they program for what Jack is capable for mm. and scale everybody else. So if Jack can oh, yeah. 120. Like, program for the best, scale for the rest. Yeah, we don't do that. All right, so um, I program for the imaginary fifth best person in the gym. Okay, so it's me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> probably four like, people. So if it's challenging for that person, then that's where the workout will be pitched at, right? So then we we generally give an option of scaling up when we know that somebody who wants to compete at high levels could do it an extra bit of challenge. So we'll give a scale up option, but we program for around fifth best. Uh, so honestly, priority, like what one of the most surprising thing that. Harry, who ran CompTrain at the time, told me was in CrossFit New England. I presumed if they've got, she, like, Catherine was in the gym. He's like, she does class a couple of days a week and she does the class workout most days. It's wow. part of her program. I was like, okay, cool. So if you're programming for someone who is the current CrossFit Games champion, I guess you have to program that person's workout and then scale it down for the class because you need to make sure she's doing exactly what she needs. I said, no, the opposite way. 
we program for the class and we scale it up for her, right? Because she's got other work to do that can get more specific. So that was a surprise for me that we can get the GPP program, scale it up and have a CrossFit Games champion doing it every day as part of their program. And we've done it that way since, that we program for GPP across the week and we make sure that if there is, that there's a version there for people who's making it their sport, that's going to progress them in it. Yeah. And so what do we do then for people who do want to make it their sport? Well, what do we do? Well, what we've, so generally speaking, what we've always done is provided programming, space and coaching that is additional to the class daily workout. Yeah. Right. I kind of see the class daily workout is the, the foundation of their training. They, they get coached for an hour, which means that their basic movement mechanics are being like cleaned up and improved every day once a day and for somebody who's really wants to compete usually they're training something like three hours plus so it's an hour of their work that's like it's really good investment for their future movement and for their efficiency get eyes on plus the group energy that they fell in love with in the first place stays alive and well so that passion gets driven and then we layer on top of that the extra work that is relevant to them to make them better in the sport so we do have a percentage. I would say it's like 5% of our members, which is a tiny little group of people who it is their sport yeah. and they spend hours here a day and we love working with those people. They're highly motivated. So with the extra work, that's where Jack comes in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I'll, let, I'll let Jack jump in here. You can have here. a conversation every week about the extra work, right? Yeah. So I spent years programming the class and then I was program extra work on top and we had a big crew of people all doing it all the time it got to a point where Jack came in he has a massive passion for the sport he competes very well himself and he also is like I want to work with these athletes I want to coach it and from day one he's been putting his hand up saying like let me at it so a couple like how long ago is it now for which that you took over the, oh, about a year and a half ago. About a year and a half ago he he just took that football and ran it down the field. And it's brilliant because he can focus on it a lot more than I ever can. And he's also really tuned into all of the latest science, all of the latest research methodologies, what the best people in the world are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And he he now programs all the extra work, puts out a daily video, giving more detail and context. So if you want to compete here, you get loads of specific detail and extra work. And yeah, Jack has been looking after. Hi, Jack. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. We've just been chatting for five minutes. Yeah, sorry, just missing. Right? Yeah. Cool. So whenever you're doing the extra work program, and obviously you don't want it to interfere with that stuff. Yeah. What are you thinking of? So Jamie's thinking of the fifth best person. Yeah. So he's thinking the fifth best person. I'm not necessarily thinking of a person. I know our group athletes. I know the group that I have in front of us. And I know what the guys at the top and then how it trickles down and their different abilities. So I would say I program with all of them in mind and I program to be as specific for the sport as possible. So as Jamie said, GPP is kind of for the class and they can upscale. But then there's stuff that we just don't touch as frequently in class that we have to touch more frequently. We have to touch regularly, weekly, as like heavy snatching, high skills, pistols, muscle-ups, all the stuff that we would see every once in a while in class because they definitely pop up but um, 
they definitely need to touch base with it a little bit more. Yeah. So in terms of just what Jamie was saying about just the touch again, the class, I think the class is so important for all the reasons he said, mm-hmm. but the herd mentality that he can, like last night with Acid Bath, yeah. like if there is a group of people, they will all absolutely send it for like as hard as they can and they'll all push each other, push yeah. each other. And I think that's important as well that they have the group for that. Um, How did Acid Bath go last night? Neither for the no for for the people doing it. Uh, for people doing it, um, there was a lot of rolling around. Yeah, it was dead. There was a lot. There the was stimulus was met. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best way to describe it. Awesome. It's yeah. a five minute workout, right? Some people got on the bike and their legs just wouldn't move. Just would not move. Um, so now it was very good as a type of workout that we had some athletes earlier on the day that had to deal it on their own, mm-hmm. and you could just see they missed out. They just they missed out on the push off other people. Um, so I think that's very important in the gym that we have here that we have groups yeah. that train with each other well, yeah, if you want to compete you need to be able to compete in a group because that's what it's like on competition day isn't it 100%. so if you just train on your own all the time in the corner the, the most successful results we've had over the years has been when there are moments where there's a really great group of training partners on the same wavelength yeah. and they create the environment that means people push forward much faster. And it means on competition days, they are so ready for the intensity, for the bit of camaraderie as well, but then also the hard edge of, I know I know what it's like to push my, to my max for points. Yeah. It's it's not something that we need to pull out of the bag three times a year. High tide rises all shapes, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's the case that very recently as well, and say so I said last season of the sport, Com train, underdog, train team tank, all of the, you can see the top kind of brands in the sport all pulled all their athletes in. They all went to one site. They pulled yeah. them from wherever they were in the States, around the world, and now they all train together. I know catching trains with like... Um, Amanda Barnhart. Barnhart, and, uh, Samuel Quant, and a few others. Chandler Smith and all, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah so... And I do think it's been an interesting to watch the trends. The group model sort of got more and more dissipated a few years ago yeah. and that hyper individualization happened all of the athletes were off in their bunkers doing their own things and then they find out what happens when they come together yeah. but now like jack said as the sport has developed people are getting more committed to it and they're saying well i'm i can pick up my life to have training partners yeah and, and the training partner thing is giant like louis simmons has always said like strongest gym in the world he said his ebbs and flows of his world records were always down to the training partners he had at any one time. And when he lost a good training partner, he would go out and try and find one actively because it's so, such a giant component. So back to your programming, Jack. Mm. Whenever Jamie's doing GPP, it's yeah. CrossFit, constantly varied functional movements performed at high intensity. Same, same or different? Uh, both. So cool. it is the same and it is a little bit different in the case since I've been in the gym nearly two and a half, three years now, there's been a good few different iterations of the extra work. Yeah. Um, and I think we've learned a lot. We've learned what works for the group and because I know the group so well because I've been in it for so long as well. Yeah. Um, so what we've concluded, what we've gotten to our end point now is we break up the program to meet specific people's needs. So it's based on conversations with the athletes. So we have loads of extra work and we don't anticipate someone does it all. If some people do, because they definitely want to put in the time and the hours, but we go athlete by athlete basis. 
So it's broken down into skills, strength, and Metcon. Metcon is very sport specific. The skills is for people who honestly just struggle with the Olympic lifts, snatch and clean jerk. As CrossFitters, we just don't practice enough. So we get that extra practice and it's programmed every single day. Yeah. Loads of different variations, hangs, different components of the lifts from the floor, from the hips, overhead, whatever. Um, the strength, we run progressions on squatting and pressing at the moment. So front and back, uh, strict and bench. So just raw strength for people that need to obviously get stronger, but that can also um, help with their Olympic lifts as well. So a bit of raw strength yeah. will always help. And then we have the last component, which is the sports-specific Metcon. As I already said, it'd be heavier weights, snatching, it'll be um, high-skill gymnastics, and then couplets and triplets all mixed in together, awkward, object carry, sandbags, anything I can think of. Yeah. Um, and then based on the day, people pick and choose what they need, um, which is what uh, we want. Just to add one or two things to that. So as Jack said, we, we've taken a long time to we've tried a lot of different things right yeah. and i had tried a lot of things before that again so what we're doing right now i think is definitely the best iteration of our competition training we've ever done yeah i think we're seeing people make loads of progress yeah. um something that we also have skills wise is for the gymnastics yeah. we have skills programs that are already pre-built so if somebody has like a toes to bar or a chest to bar they need to build capacity or skill they're on that program every week they're progressing through it. So that's like a self-contained program that lives on its own. Yeah. And we can just talk someone through that all the time. So that's, that's the extra skill apart from the barbell. Um, and I think if we think about the, the two, if somebody is doing the class workout plus the extra Metcon every day, they're doing two workouts per day, I would say that our class workout is very much a growth mindset environment. So the coaches are usually talking about how this is going to improve you. So we're encouraging people not to always be competing in that workout. Yeah. It's let's meet the stimulus so you you get better. Yeah. Right. And then the extra Metcon has a bit more emphasis on the result and trying to go and actually compete every day. So you're in that sort of mindset. Yeah. So you get a bit of both from that point of view. So and I think those those two variations are important to get practice in. And knowing the difference. Do you think, which do you think is more beneficial? If I wanted to start competing more regularly just as an individual, mm. say I can do all the things right, but everything needs work all the time. Am I better off prioritizing, I know you're going to say class, but how often should I then be doing the Metcon in extra work and getting into that competition mindset? Should that be a daily thing? Or... I would say it depends on, sorry, but I hate a depends answer, but as Jack has already mentioned, the programming is built for uh, individuals to be able to take what they need from it. Right. Right. So this is probably a good chance to talk about our dashboards, isn't it? Like one of the challenges for a competitive athlete is where to focus their time. There is so many things and we all know that, that, if you try and do everything, you'll often really do nothing because you're just not doing enough. You're not getting enough of stimulus and strength and stimulus and all the different things yeah. to make the progress needed. So what we've tried to do is say, we need a tool to help individuals boil down what they need to focus their time on. 
So we have these dashboards, which are a collection of data points that we'd expect an athlete to be able to hit if they're a well-balanced competitive athlete across the board. What are they? Yeah, what's the dashboard? So it's a collection of like snatch, clean and jerk. We have a 5K run. We have um, max pull-ups, max muscle-ups, max handstand push-ups. We have, um, so 17.1 is one of our workouts. Yeah, so we have nine different metrics that we use to measure. And we have different variations in them. We have an intermediate OX and we also have an elite dashboard. So there, as Jamie said, there's all of them. And we try and look at them as if this is the athlete that can go to a competition and compete. They're general enough across the board that they're going to do well or okay everywhere. They're not going to excel, but they're also not going to be dropped down on the leaderboard. At if they can meet those exactly. standards. Yeah. yeah, so they can just pick up that dashboard and look at all of these markers and say, well, do I have that yes or no? Do I have that yes or no? And it's like, can I snatch 100 kilos? No, okay, that's definitely one that I need to attend to. If I can run my 5K in under the time that says, you're like, okay, I don't need to really continue my running training yeah. as much because I know that's already taken care of. Um, I guess the broad idea here is that the sport is often dictated by your weaknesses more than your strengths. So um, we often see athletes, like we just saw Justin Medeiros win the games and he won one event. That means he just didn't fall low enough on any other event. And that's a lot of the time what the game is. good enough, yeah. Yeah, so if you can come along and finish third all day long, you're much more likely to win. So if I join Bua, I've played competitive sport and now I want to do the CrossFit thing. Yeah, where do I find the dashboard and how do I start training on that stuff yeah so, so it's really simple it's on our website in the, in the members area Deadly. we have a whole article explaining how it works and as Jack said there's one for like if you can for instance if you're a beginner athlete and you're seeing you're looking you start with the intermediate dashboard and you're saying I would like to hit all nine points once I have all nine points I can go start playing intermediate level sport I can go into this into a competition. What I do then if I have four or five intermediate ones and four or five elite ones or RX ones or whatever it is. I would suggest until you have all of the intermediate ones, you don't even check the others. Like the first step would be So if I had all the RX ones, I wouldn't even think about elite ones. I'd get my intermediate things up to RX. Yes. First. So okay. for, first job, get the intermediate ones ticked. Then I can go compete, and then I start looking to the RX one. Yeah. Now, where's the gaps there? And there's usually four or five for people, and knock them down one at a time. And the point is that if you know that, sh- like, snatching is one of your like it's furthest away from where you'd like it to be than the rest. Let's focus on snatching for the t- time being okay. until we get that higher. So therefore, when we go to our daily extra work all snatch related stuff it could be the barbell strength plus the snatch skills that's where you should go yeah if the workout times on the dashboard so the the actual fitness of doing workouts isn't where it needs to be that's where you might start focusing on that workout you were asking about cool. that's where extra metcon per day might be the thing five days a week because yeah. i need to just get fitter i need to get better a couple of triplets yeah. find out intensity and so if I'm joining Bua and I want to start competing I'm coming to Jack and going let's talk through the dashboard what should I be working on how often should I be because there's snatch on the extra work or some sort of Olympic lifting near enough every day but if that's what I need to work on is that what I should be doing every day yeah so what we try and um, 
tell people to do is go to a coach. So either it's me or Jamie, just so we can talk through the dashboards. Yeah. So it's kind of it would be a bad idea if to to just give them the athletes and they go off and they're like, oh, I'll do this, 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 and this, and they've as you said, loads of focus on and nothing gets better. So we'll help them navigate through the kind of weeds and get to the to where they want to go. So we try and we try and look at the dashboard. What do you have? What do you not have? And we try and focus on three things at once. One of them is always the class. So making sure, obviously, all the reasons we spoke about that. And then we have two other things we can focus on, whether it's like skills or a barbell. And then we can look at the dashboard or it's the barbell, it's a snatch. We're going to do strength and we're going to do skills. No, it's the toes to bar and running grants. We're going to do class, the toes to bar program, and then there's the running program that Christopher wrote. I think there's three different versions of them. Um, wow. So there's loads of different solutions to, uh, I guess, the the problems that we have or the holes that we have. Yeah. Um, and it's worked quite well so far. It, yeah, it's been really effective. And we're constantly building out new solutions yeah. so they're not just one. So, and over time, we'll, we're going to have a, a massive bank of ready-made solutions to these things. Yeah. Um, but I think what Jack said is important to go talk to the coach because it's in that process with the coach that's where it becomes really effective yeah you know speaking of solutions someone's training here five seven days a week they're training hard they're doing extra work they're doing the competition class on a Saturday but we'll come back to competition class mm. that's worth talking about right yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> they're training hard they know what they're working towards they're getting the help they need outside of the gym recovery mm. we don't talk about it an awful lot other than like a one-to-one basis outside mm. of class. General guidelines. Jack, you go first. Okay. Where do your priorities lie? Can I jump in generally? Because Jack is better on this than I am. Right. I'm going to give just general, right? A way That's of thinking. I asked him first. Yeah, I know. But he's better than me on this, right? Yeah. He'll get into better details. <laughs> That's right. what it's like. So, honestly, I think generally speaking, it's just a general yeah. Think about your currency. I always think about like you've got 100 euros of training currency. Yes. You spend a week and you have to replenish it. Mm-hmm. And everything you spend, you have to do something on the back end yeah. to replenish that pack account. So what are your biggest comeback ends? This is you now. Oh, right. You just wanted to sit, lay it out that way. I'm, I'm saying <laughs> generous <laughs> So someone spent 100 euro training, yeah. how do they refill the bank account? So this is a big, big subject. Yeah. And I always found that years ago when I was getting going myself, Bergeron was like, the needle is moved outside the gym. As simple as that. Training is unfortunately the easy part. All the other stuff is the hard stuff. Oh no, don't yeah. tell me that. <laughs> so in terms of recovery, there's your food, yeah. your sleep, yeah. and tissue work, and stress management, and the list goes on. So we try and look at... We try and look... Stress managing. <laughs> yeah, stress managing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not my forte. Yeah. <laughs> So to go after food is the first one. You have to be fueled for your sessions. It has to be good food and you have to be eating enough of it so that you can function and then perform. So real simple. And then obviously in Bureau we try to eat real plants, not too much. Or sorry, we're trying to eat real food. Real food, not too much, many plants. Um, now that's that's good for GPP and stuff, but we also do have to get like for myself, you have to eat so much food. And you don't just, like plants. And I don't like plants. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like to stay strong, but yeah. then to stay strong and big enough and then stay lean enough so you can stay fast. So there is that, as I said, training is the easy part. So your food is absolutely huge. 
Then there's your sleep as well, making sure you're eating, or sorry, make sure that you're sleeping eight hours or more if you can. Yeah. There's no point in destroying yourself in the gym, training really hard, and then not recovering. Then you get injured, then you, get, you burn out, then you don't want to come back to the gym. Yeah, I, I think it's emerged over the last few years that sleep is starting to become yeah. almost factor number one. Yeah. Like if you're not sleeping right and you're training like a maniac, and even if you're eating well, you may just get nowhere. It's yeah. as simple as that. So I think the sleep bit is massive. Yeah. Stan Efferding, that bodybuilder, had the saying, uh, if you're sleeping less than eight hours a night, it's like stepping over $100 bills to pick up dimes. Okay. Pointless, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what you said. Yeah. You're killing yourself in the gym for nothing. Can we go back to food? Yeah. Um, can we get a bit nerdy with it? Go details. So like, you're saying they have to eat enough. What? Yeah. What's enough? Um, do they have to eat six meals a day, spaced out every two hours, or...? Definitely not. Yeah, so I think, I think, first of all, if you're serious about competing, you should probably get some nutritional support from a qualified nutritionist or dietitian who can prescribe stuff. I think, I think that's really important. I think, um, like, Jack has his own experience of nutrition. Like, he's had to, you've had to increase. Like, what, what have you gone from to where have you ended up now? Because I know that you've done a huge focus on strength. Yeah. It was a, a massive uh, volume of lifting. Mm-hmm. And um, it required a massive amount of recovery, right? Like you dialed the stressors up to the max for the last 18 months mm-hmm. and it's paid off. Yeah. So give, a, give, give me a picture of where you were and where you are now. So in terms of, uh, let's say when I competed at the Filthy two years ago in the Affiliate Cup, my body weight was probably the easy way to measure it. I was about 76 kilos and now I'm about 91 kilos. What? Yeah. <laughs> 76? Yeah, and now I'm about 91. He was really good at Muslims. <laughs> so, and can we go like lift the numbers as well uh, clean snatch so uh, clean was about 120 and it's now 145 that's a pretty good improvement yeah yeah um, so they're, they're just the jumps um, and it did change from and I was, I was eating really well because when you start working here like we all bring in our own food we all eat real food I, I was eating loads of vegetables and loads of uh, lean meats and carbs, etc. Uh, but it just was not enough. You can't get enough calories from clean food unless you're eating loads of it. Um, so then from there on in to now, what I had to do was I had to increase my frequency of food. So I had to add meals. And then I drink two smoothies a day just to get in calories. Um, but they're not really smoothies. They're cementies. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I'm probably a very extreme uh, version of that. Yeah. So it's it's not a good idea for someone to go off, all right, I'm going to eat five times a day. They're all meals. None of them are snacks. Yeah. But what's important is realizing that if your mood is low, your energy levels are low, your motivation isn't there to train, maybe it's outside the gym. Maybe you're not sleeping enough and maybe you're just not fueled for your sessions. If you don't come in and you're like, all right, I'm ready to attack the workout, then what you're eating before probably isn't enough or the right stuff. Um, it's it gets it's very hard. Yeah. Like I've I've found over the years I've done loads of different things. My body weight has been up, body fat has been up. I've been really lean, and you just you kind of figure it out as you go. And um, but obviously there is people out there to help. Yeah, I think getting support. Like if you're if you're shooting in the dark, like Jack is 
knowledgeable enough that he can play around with it for himself. Yeah. But if you don't have a background in it, I think the best thing to do is just reach out to somebody who can give you some guidance. Jack's pretty good at knowing himself as well, where he gets instant feedback. Exactly. Lifting went bad today. I didn't eat enough food yesterday. And we can see it in him as well when he's not eating enough. <laughs> There's some signals cool. there. Yeah? There's a couple more recovery things. Sleep. Body work. Tell me more about body work. This is really overlooked. Um, and it was something Jamie actually said to me a long time ago. So when I first got into the gym, um, I wasn't. I was very new to all the kind of boo of philosophies and principles. And I was like, Jamie, I need to pull more off the floor. And I think I need to deadlift more. And I was like, okay. I think I was like, I need to deadlift and squat and press more or something crazy. And they're like, no, <laughs> let's just deadlift more on top of the program. But he was like, you're only allowed deadlift more if you do more body work. It's, by, it's, it's gaining more currency to spend more currency. It kind uh-huh. of, it, pretty much what you said. So I was like, okay. And then also from the perspective is what are the best in the world doing? The best in the world spend probably an hour or two stretching, foam rolling, mobilizing. If they're doing it, clearly there's something to be looking at here. Yeah. Um, Remember when Lucas Parker came over? Yes. And he was here for a week. And he, he used to watch him just do his workouts. And he would come in for, I'd ask him, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing, I remember he did 11.5 or something. He's like, I'm retesting an open workout from 2011 or something. It was something like that. I was like, okay, so 10 minute workout. And no joke, three and a half hours prep for 10 minutes. He was an excessive example of that though. Crazy, right? way over the top. <laughs> way over the top. I'm glad you said that. Yes, yeah. but, like, but, but it was, it was watching the routine. He yeah. was busy for the whole thing. Right. And it was a subtle little body working. So, I, I, you know, I watched this as the week went on. I asked him, I was like, what is the story with the, like, you've done four hours here. And then he would go off for lunch and then come back and start again for his next piece. Jeez. So he saw his eight hour day or whatever it was. It was like, I don't want to beat my body down. I want to set it up so it's as perfect as possible. So when I do work, it's the highest quality possible. But I mean, that guy is obviously obsessive about his body positioning. Um, and you could see it in his technique, right? Uh, I think I think I heard Max talking about it um, because he went to training Think Tank yeah. at one point and he was like, some athletes, we just need to cut down their warm-ups, for instance, simple thing like that. I'm like, that's definitely Lucas yeah, has to be. Yeah. But in saying that, it was uh, it's a, it's an indicator of the, the work that goes in, that goes on yeah. that you don't see it's it's not the workout stuff it's what happens right after the workout that sets them up for the next one so as jack said it's like can i get my tissues recovered replenished can i get my joints reset the best position possible because we know hmm? how do i do that oh how do we recommend it yeah great question so if you imagine just take the usual crossfit class that we do yeah so people come in cold and stiff and compromised from their day we get them warm loose and then we get them activated mm-hmm. and then we get them into the most perfect position possible for that workout mm-hmm. so if it's wall balls we want their best air squat they've ever done their best throw they've ever done their like shoulder elbow position everything so that when the workout starts they're as close to as they're perfect as possible then the workout happens and they get fatigued and we get some breakdown mm-hmm. as that goes on we expect to see it then if they leave the gym having done those reps last that's where the pattern has been set 
that's where the tissues have been left. So what I would say that right afterwards, some tissue work, so get on a cross ball, a roller, something to give yourself some tissue work and then find the best position again like we did in the class and do some reps. So that could be just like doing some um, air squats and some like lifting the foam roller overhead with the best shoulder position possible. It's finding good position again as a cool down. It's the best way to do it. I should do that. Everyone should. Yeah. But we're all too busy high fives, headbutts and chatting. I literally get in the car still sweating. <laughs> And then cross the full bit because I put my jumper back on because <laughs> I don't want the seat to get sweaty, and that's it. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's why I mourn when I stand up sometimes. Oh yeah. So uh, and we see, you know, you see over the years people have learned that you know just just circulating blood after working could yeah. be good. Getting on the assault bike and just going really slow for ten minutes, then getting off, doing some tissue work, then finding position, and then you've after ramping up, you're ramping down in a very healthy way. Cool. So can we circle back to the initial thing? You've spent a hundred euro in the gym, mm. not physically on not going rain, but like <laughs> current physical currency. currency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to fill it up again for tomorrow. Mm. What do I need to do? So it's Sum- it's, it's that it's that cool down, right? That's so that, there's your body work done. There's your like your your best chance of resetting. And how long is that? Ten minutes, fifteen minutes? Yeah, it could be anything from 10, 15 minutes to an hour. It depends on how much time you want to dedicate to this. Cool. You also want to eat, right? You want to yeah. eat as soon as possible afterwards. Your body's ready to absorb all the nutrients at that point. Like in the car driving home or get home and have a meal? Best case scenario, on the floor as you're rolling out. <laughs> like, like that's. but it's hard to cook a real meal for that. Yeah. That's where... So what, that's where the divide between high, high, high performance and GPP comes in though, isn't it? That's why he has a big thing of cement every day. (laughs) (laughs) It's ready ready to pour down his neck as soon as he's done. Um, And that's why those convenience, like nutrition right afterwards, that's where that came from. That I don't have to take the commute home and then start meal prep, cook a meal and eat it because my window of optimal nutrition has closed. Yeah. And then? And then? Sleep. I would say for sleep, it's a big one. Yeah. So doing some more body work right before bed, yeah. 10 minutes on some tissues, starts the system into that down regulation and into sleep mode. If you can get off screens before bed as well, so if you can turn off the TV, laptop, phone, you know, half an hour, an hour before you go to bed, all these things will help optimize. Like, like one of the best athletes that ever trained here used to go home and put on put on the the weird glasses that blocks out uv lights yeah. yeah so uh, and because he was extreme about it he was an elite athlete before he came here in a different sport and he had learned and he's a sports science guy and he had learned all of these things and if you prioritize it that highly in your life then it's like these little things you build in um i would say that's getting too extreme for a gpp person but if it's the sport this is the, the, the yeah absolutely what do you do at night time do you go wind down before bed yeah so I try and stretch every evening yeah. um, and it varies but I just I try my absolute best sometimes I give myself an out so I try and stretch four days a week so three of the days I'm going to be like no I'm not stretching nice um, so that way if, I, if I'm way too tired I'm like I'm better off going to bed to get more sleep as opposed to staying up late stretching yeah do it that way um, but yeah just try and so I use GoWad. I yeah. was doing it myself, 
but you like you spend time thinking about it. It's like no, I just need something mindless just to move, um, and it definitely does help wind you down and relax you a little bit. You can feel it when you get into bed; you're a little bit more chilled, yeah, and less kind of stiff. Remember, nice word. I'm sorry. I remember um, during all the lockdowns, we used to do a recovery session at like nine p.m., and that was some body work followed by a mindfulness session. And the two, the combination of those two things, yeah. man, you're you're ready for wind down. Yeah, well, I just picked up on that. You said like it was just, yeah, clear the mind, and you used to do that stuff, and I only heard about that quite recently. So oh, yeah. that's really interesting. So that's kind of next step on training and performance and wanting to compete well, right? Isn't it? It's like where's your head at? Well, yeah, I mean the mindset of like that's a whole other world, right? Yeah. So. I know when we're building a mental skills program for somebody, it's only mental skills. That program would always start with a mindfulness practice. It's the fundamental skill of mental performance, right? So if you have someone who doesn't do any mindfulness, it's very hard to start a mental training program. What's a mindfulness practice? So any basic meditation, breath work, you know the apps, the what is it? Head, uh, calm, headspace. Headspace, calm. I use waking up. I really like that one because it gives me more rationale behind it. But it's, it is that practice of um, learning how to be um, have a more focused mind. Yeah. So dealing with distraction better. And, you know, competition day and training is full of unhelpful distractions that take you away from your performance mentality. Yeah. And like having having a strategy and the tools to deal with distraction is is massive. So I think it, if you if you if you know that the head game side of things, that's where you know going to a sports psychologist and yeah. get building that mental skills game is massive. It's, it's like going to a nutritionist. Yeah. Same thing. Another well, component. That's a big separator that we've seen in class quite a lot, isn't it, Jack? Where like you just see someone and their head goes. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you can see people that are just going for it and then you can see people just clocks out yeah. and then their performance completely suffers they're five minutes into a 15 minute workout and it just gets too difficult and they've convinced themselves they're not able yeah. and then they're done yeah. um, and it's a detriment to their performance yeah, a lot of the time it tends to come back to like what their initial thoughts on a workout is isn't it it's like people come in and they go oh thrusters mm. yeah and that's it Game over. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Before they even start, right? Something I've noticed as well is you're deadly. It's kind of funny from the outside looking in, but whenever he's about to train and start a workout, he doesn't see anybody. Yeah. Blinkers are on, heads down, heads nodding, going to the music whenever the rap or whatever is on. Goes, what's going on in your head? Can you share the secrets? I'm going to sound insane. Yeah, um, I do. Yeah, so just over the years, in my head when I'm training, I'm just like in complete attack mode. So full focus, full effort. That's that's what I'm thinking. Just you're very, very focused on the task. I have something to think about at each movement. And then it's just your effort is there every single time. In my head, um, insane. Uh, there's a cage and there's a beast inside the cage. And for certain workouts, I need to let him out. And then for certain workouts, he can stay in and go insane. But like, if I need to PB my snatch, I'm going to open the door, he's going to step outside and he's going to go fucking insane. <laughs> um, and that's just the mentality yeah. I want to bring to my training because it means that much to me. Yeah. 
and I'm, I'm going that hard, I'm going to put myself in the deep, dark hole yeah. that I need to go and cry in to win things. Yeah. And that's, yeah, and I really don't see anyone. It's, it's just, I can't see anything. Yeah. That's kind of important to really push. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very painful sport. Yeah. Very sport pain. It is, it, is a, it is a tolerance of pain. So we need to get ourselves, whatever way that is, everyone does it differently, but prepared to say, I know I have to go and I know what's coming. <laughs> and I need to want to go there. Yeah. And I and when it gets close and I can feel it build and I, I'm like, right, I'm going to absolutely bury myself here. You have to commit to it. Yeah. So there is a there is like a mode we have to switch to. I think you we like that's what you're you're referring to with Jack. We yeah. see him switching mode from coach and being friendly, knocking around to right. I need to get into a certain di- different space in my yeah. head. Yeah. How important then do you think it is to balance that with? the mindfulness stuff like do you think Jack would be a better athlete if he was able to sit in silence and just listen to his thoughts mm. I, I think it's I think it's a, it's it's very difficult for a lot of people especially I mean when I was younger I, I was like no thank no you way. no way yeah. too difficult I don't do that and it's it's not for me yeah. um, whereas you're probably other end of the spectrum now right it's old <laughs> I mean, yeah. as in, like, the beast's probably yes. withering away, yeah, but yeah. then you could probably sit in silence for a day and... Yeah, maybe not that far, but yeah, yeah but, but no, but I enjoy that more. And I do think that young young athletes, definitely, it's it's a tool in the toolbox like anything else. And if they've got it, they're a much more dangerous athlete. Okay. Because um, when I say, like, for instance, I had to make a decision a few years ago, but I was, I'm going to go back to college and study something. And after I was like 16 years or something in strength and condition, I was like, there's no point in me doing a strength and condition degree. Like, what I'm going to be reorganizing everything in my head, but there's, not, like, there's going to be minimal difference to my approach. I decided to go and do sports psychology because that's what's going to move the needle most in my mind. Whenever we dealt with some things, some of the mental approach, we saw massive leaps forward. So I'm like, that's, that's what's going to move the needle. So I think uh, if you can get into the mindfulness side, you're equipping yourself with tools to deal with the things that cost us on the floor. Yeah. And, you know, like distraction isn't just, I'm not focused on, uh, on my reps or my technique. Like if you're worried about the outcome of the, of the workout, if you're looking at the clock and like, oh shit, I don't have enough time. That's a distraction from the job at hand, which is doing reps. So it's it's always being able to bring yourself back to your performance when you get distracted, and there's so many. So yeah, I think it's, it's something that, rather than like, I think there's a bit of a, a woo element to mindfulness, right? And we think there's the, there's the beast over here who's raging and lifting, and then to balance that out, we need to get calm. And, and there's an element of that, but I will always see the mindfulness thing as, rather than just recovery, I think it's actually another tool to make you perform better. Yeah. How important do you think things like visualization are? So say, very important. Yeah, say especially for like lifting. Yeah, very important. Um, so I come from a weightlifting background, so like I've weightlifted on on front of crowds and stuff, um, and it's a very psychological sport, and it's very stressful, really high stress. And I remember, I remember I was going away to Scotland. 
and in my bedroom a few days before I would turn off the lights and I'd imagine myself walking onto the platform making a lift and walking off I'd imagine myself walking over chalking up my hands going over lifting I'd imagine the chalk butts in a different space I'd imagine missing my first lift I'd imagine any scenario I could and how I react my emotional reaction and my outward reaction and I know it's something Michael Phelps did before before he swam races and it just puts you at ease and makes you a little more comfortable but like I am prepared in any way possible where did you learn that? I have no idea uh, it's just it's I don't know if it was hurt hearing it from Michael Phelps yeah. but it's every variation of where things are what's going to happen the crowd where the judges are this in terms of weightlifting on front of you how far away they are if it's quiet if it's loud it's usually always quiet yeah um, what way the bar is loaded sometimes it's a bit funky in weightlifting like that's throwing me off competitions before not having your perfect warm up which is very common in CrossFit because it's quick cram time um, and it just gives you another arrow in the quiver and advantage over people yeah. that are emotional you've spoken about that before emotional responses like in workouts freaking out about little things uncontrollables and just letting them go and like you know when we're, when we're dealing with competitive athletes here a lot of our time is well, some of our time is dedicated to trying to predict where, you know, in this workout, where's the, where's the pinch point? Where's the point where it's going to start getting really challenging? And can we give them a cue or a trigger to say, oh, here's that thing I expected to happen. It's not a surprise. And I have a strategy to deal with it rather than like let it fall apart learn the lesson, but then keep doing that over and over. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, this is the thing that we talked about and this is what I'm going to do now. It's just these are the extra things on top that can just buy you extra percentages. That's very hard for some people, and that's I think where the coaches can come in and help people. Every workout, nearly every workout we do is different unless we're repeating and doing benchmark or trying to retest things. So people, some people after years just still don't know. They don't know where it's going to get hard. They don't know how it's going to feel, and that's where we can kind of educate them a little more. Is be like expect to be very out of breath here, but you'll still be able to function. You'll still be able to do reps. So with a competitor, I imagine there needs to be a balance of that, of going, this is where it's going to get shitty, but you still need to push. How do you help that? So you can say, we can be doing competition class on a Saturday morning, and it can be the world's worst workout, right? And you're standing there, both of you, one of you, saying, we know it's going to kick in here, like 40% down. 40% into it. Mm. You want to let people know mm. that that's going to happen so yep. that they can manage it, right? But can you overdo that? Uh, yeah, I mean, what we can do, if you if you overcook it, yeah. you build up anxiety, you put extra focus on it, and then they start waiting for it, and then they can overreact to it. Like, there is definitely a balance yeah. to how we would talk about it. I think the emphasis goes onto the solution rather than the problem. So if we talk about this workout, three quarters, seven minutes in, this might happen. But that's the perfect opportunity to start getting focused on next rep. So in your head, the story you tell yourself is one at a time. Yeah. And it's, it's putting the emphasis back on, like, we know it's gonna happen, but here's what we do. And we can practice that in the warm up for the workout as well where we can get them a little tired and then get them doing one at a time, one at a time, so that they're, it's, we've already greased the groove. 
do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it is very dependent on the circumstance and often the individual because yeah. one individual needs to tell themselves something different than another. Some, it needs to be like, I'm fine, I just need to take two breaths and I can go again. Yeah. Whereas someone else is like, they need to be a bit meaner to themselves yeah. because that's what they'll respond to. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think it's experience, right? Over the years, we know we can, we have a pretty good sense of what the type of obstacle is going to be yeah. and then we fit, we get creative around creating um, solutions to get over them. Now that's where proper programming comes in as well though, doesn't it? It's not just throwing 10 things together mm. and figuring out midway through when it gets hard or how you... Yeah, it's designing those mo- moments. Yeah. We want you to get here, feel like that, so that you can overcome yeah. this. So, Saturday morning, 8am, you have competition class. Yes. Yeah. Is that what you're doing in that class? Yes. Yeah. We're practicing competing, Yeah. I would say. So rather than just competing, we're practicing competing. So that's skills of it, that's um, drills that will help them. And then actual competition workouts with a focus of here's how we're going to deal with this one. And here's some tools that you can equip yourself for. So it's a great class to go and make a load of mistakes in. Uh, it's definitely yeah. it's definitely one to go and learn a lot, yeah. I would say, um, about the sport. Yeah. Um, it's The Saturday morning's always been like an outlier it's two hours. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. It's very different than the other class. And we always made sure that we're really transparent about what it's like before you come. And it's only for people who really want a very specific thing. Um, which is? Which is, uh, it's like training on a sports team rather than like in a class environment. In a class environment, I'm trying to do many things. I'm trying to get you healthy and fit, make you have a really good time inspire you to do something beyond yourself get you really socially integrated into the group so that it's the most rewarding experience possible best hour every day 100 percent. in the saturday morning class we can get straight to business <laughs> so you know we can be more direct with our language yeah we can say if you want to show up you show up early you get ready and you be ready to to give it your all. What we ask is someone that they take their progress very seriously inside the morning, which, which means that implies that they're going to get warmed up. They're going to, when we say you're going to push, they're actually going to push. We have to make sure that there is two hours in a week where we can create an environment, which is a bit, definitely a bit harder edged and a bit more preparing you for that. So that when you go competition environment, you're not so shocked. Yeah. It's not like, Oh my God, this is so different in class. That is like, oh no, this is weekly. This is what we do every week. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we protect it. We ring fence it. We say, this is what it is. Please don't come if you think that this might be a bit tough on you. Don't come if you're, if you're carrying something like a sore shoulder or something. It's not the one to come to. Mm-hmm. If you're returning after a break, go to class for a few weeks. Like, come in ready to go. It's one of those ones. Yeah. And then, then as we're coaching it, as we're designing it, we know... Everybody's ready, they're fit, they're conditioned, and we can push them hard and we can get a lot of work done. Yeah. Right? Now, what it never has been, it's never been you need to be able to do X amount of muscle ups, snatching. If you're a beginner athlete, but the sport is what you want to train for, we'll scale everything for you. You can do all of that once your attitude is in the right place. It's one of those types of sessions. So um, it's, it is brilliant for people who really like that very serious environment. 
it's a it's a nice change of gears. Sport. It's the sport, yeah, for sure. Is that your favorite class? Yes. Like, it's it's just so different. Um, it, it's it's so different. It's there's nothing like it during the week in terms of the class. Um, and I, I used to be in the class, and now I coach the class quite frequently with Jamie uh, and on my own. So it was my favorite class in terms of that. It's so intense, and it, it really is taken a little bit more professionally. Yeah. So for example, like when there was me and a few other athletes, and it would be like we're going to race, and this this is us head to head. There is winners, and there's definitely losers. <laughs> or there's a winner and definitely losers. <laughs> Um, and you do need that you do need to practice the sport I think it's important um, and then the rest of your training is just important as well because mm. I don't I think like we train so often and then we have to competition day and we're like oh god I haven't done this before and, and, and you know something it means that it leaves every other class in the week the other whatever 60 classes there are across all the gyms we're, we're not so like we have to give everyone a really really hard lethal push here mm. to make sure that they're all ready for competitions because we know that Saturday that's there. every other day you're going to come in if that's your goal you should push yourself a bit more but the environment in the room is not going to be terrifying overly serious it's going to be it's, has, it's, it's balanced out with fun the social side the health side all of that really important stuff that we all want to be in we don't want to be in that psycho mood every single day all week yeah. and it, it really it means that because like really we're, t we're dealing with as I said 5% of that means 95% of people this is not their sport they might go and do a competition but that's like going doing a triathlon and going doing a you know climbing a mountain it's a personal challenge once or twice a year yeah. for, for the personal challenge of it but for the people who it's their sport it's a small group so we want to make sure that the where the environment we create in the class every day is for the full group and that those people can really get a lot from it but then we have this little thing once a week where it's like this is for us yeah. um, to get into yeah so if you want to compete in CrossFit this is a good place to do it mm. yeah well we're certainly we're certainly um, it's definitely high on our agenda it's front and centre like it's always been for me Jack is really focused on it. We meet once per week to discuss strategy and how's all going, and then we check in every couple of days about how everything is going, and um, we we do stuff for individuals as well. There might be individuals who are really committed to it. Who might be like, I'm going to do three or four hours a day. This is my sport. I'm cutting back my work. There is more individualization for those. Yeah. Um, so they they exist as well. So yeah, I mean if if Competing. If you train a bull right now and you're like, I kind of really want to do the sport. Yeah. You should. You shouldn't be quiet about that. Don't be afraid to come up. Everyone has to start somewhere. Come and talk to us, and we'll get you going on something. Can you help me, Jack? Of course. <clears throat> Performance. I think we nailed that. Deadly. Anything else you want to cover? No. Good. That was a lot. Yeah. We covered loads. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We'll come back to it.